The show's about to start. Are you ready? follow me on twitter or facebook or anything you know i was at the reds game so i wasn't sure if i was gonna make it and and ace is gonna be on today and i'm like dude i i hope i can be on i don't know but he's been a trooper and he's uh gonna join me but let me get this out of the way real quick this show and every show is brought to you by t properties t properties quality housing for quality people check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs have to be a favorite. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm over a thousand subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now I'm gonna get to this quick because I know Zim said I knew I'd do that. Zim Ace, what's up, brother? Does not have a whole heck of a lot of time because the man has got an interview he's got to get ready for tonight. So we're just gonna cut to the chase and jump into it. So what's going on, my friend? Glad to be here, bro. Just uh, enjoying everything, getting ready for uh, the big week that we have next week. Uh, like you said, we have an interview tonight that's going to be with Kyle Guy from the Sacramento Kings, huge Bengals fan. Um, so definitely looking forward to that, man. Just uh, excited to be here and excited to talk about the Bengals. Exactly, man. Yeah, I'd rather talk about them right now than, than the Reds because I went to the game and <laughs> lost 14 to 11 in extra innings. Like, man, our bullpen is terrible. But hey, let's get to something more fun as the uh, – the Bengals. And, uh, you know, I was on your guys' show a couple weeks ago, the first Civil War. You know, I'm Team Chase all the way. But I'm, yes, I'm a little different, though. If they take Sewell, I'm not going to be upset. But I, I I threw out a stat yesterday on the show when, when your boy Ace was on here. Or Zim was on here. I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> your boy Zim was on here. That I think 80, 83% of the time the Bengals were in a three-wide set, wide receiver, wide receiver set. That's – like second in the NFL to me, that's one of the biggest reasons that they should go get chase. And because of all the wealth of offensive linemen that they have in the second round, because if they can, I keep saying this, if they can get Leatherwood in the second round, you got him at guard, kick him out the tackle. And the other thing, dude, is just because we signed Riley Riley Reef to one year, doesn't mean we can't sign him to another year. 
Right. No, I mean, for me, I mean, that makes it makes perfect sense. I mean, you talk about the three ride. That's true. But I think one of the issues with the Bengals is that they passed the ball too much last year. When you saw when they started to win towards the end of the season, it was because they ran the ball. And when you have a guy like Joe Mixon there and you just gave him that extension, you have to utilize him. Uh, So I get it. They definitely need to go through ride and stuff like that. And in order to do that, they need to have talent out there at the wide receiver position. I just think that me personally, I'm a little bit higher on T Higgins and Tyler Boyd than most people. I, me personally, it's not even about Jamar Chase for me. It's about Joe right. Burrow. And I was talking to Zim earlier today about this. And I was saying, like, I'm on the AFC North. Talk. I have another YouTube channel where we, we talk about the AFC North. And right. on that channel, I made the bold claim, and this was probably midway through the season, that Joe Burrow was the best quarterback in the division. And they Heck looked yeah. at me and they were like, no, there's no way. And this was after, now mind you, this is after Lamar Jackson's coming off of MVP year and all of that. Right. And I still was mm-hmm. confident in it because this was the mm-hmm. first year that I was looking and watching every game in the division. So not only am I watching the Bengals, because I'm on that panel, because I have to be able to deliver on that show, I have to watch right. every single game. And so I right. saw all of the quarterbacks. And you know what I saw? I saw Baker Mayfield, who had enough time to sit back, take a nap in the pocket, wake back up and still not have a guy in his face. And I saw these guys saying, oh, he's better than Joe Burrow. And I I saw a washed up Ben who was playing solid at the beginning. They were trying to say he was better. And how is he going to be better than Lamar? And I just looked at it and I'm like, guys, look at our circumstances. Burrow doesn't have any time to throw. He doesn't have a great line. And he's still leading this league in passing yards. And for me, Burrow is the key for us to take over this division. And Burrow, to me, is a guy that doesn't need a super elite receiving core to be at the top of the league. I mean, we saw it last year. He was going to throw for 4,000 yards. T. Higgins would have 1,100 yards. T. Higgins was about to break A.J. Green's, I mean, and as well as Mm -hmm. Collinsworth's record as Mm -hmm. a receiver. And then you also saw Tyler Boyd. So, to me, I'm looking at a guy that probably would have thrown for 4,000 yards and all of that. And he didn't have enough time. And I'm just thinking in my head, if I guarantee that he can at least have a second or two for those routes to develop, for this offense to really get a chance, and not to mention Joe Mixon to be able to get a chance to not get hit in the backfield when he's catching a, or when he's taking a handoff off, I don't know what this guy, this guy could end up taking over the AFC North. So that's what it's really right. about. And I think it's just to me, just because Chase is a number one receiver. I feel the same way if you're talking about Jalen Waddle, if you're talking about Devonta Smith, who are also good receivers. It's just for me, when I look at it, and I understand that there's a surplus of offensive line. If you go back three months ago, I was saying that. I was like, you know, right. I could take one or two linemen in this draft. I never thought at the time we'd ever even be able to get near Panay. And Panay, to me, is just more of a sure bet than those other guys. Because when you look around the league, and I have Vox Lombardi on, it's a guy that does a lot of film review and stuff like that. It's it's an offensive line problem league-wide. Like when you talk about just in the NFL now, a lot of the linemen in this league are not good. And when you talk about the draft classes the last five seasons, they haven't been good. Even those guys that you pick in the first round, which I know right. people are probably saying, you know, that's why you shouldn't draft Panay. And, I mean, I understand that, but – are you telling well, me that, that the guy's that's in not the a reason second to not draft third? Him, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not a reason to not draft him because of what happened before. But let, right. let me put it to you this way. Let's put it this way. I know I know we're talking about mm-hmm. giving Joe, Joe Burrow time. Right. And what if what if I could tell you I can do that, mm-hmm. but I can also give you an elite weapon at wide receiver? Like we have right. Riley Reef, who, like I said, you don't need a all-pro 
offensive line. You don't need all pro at all five spots. You need right. – honestly, I you need like an right. average one to be able to all work together and you don't have a weak right. spot. If I can give you an offensive line that doesn't have a weak mm-hmm. spot where that defense can attack it, Joe Burrow right. has a time to get the ball down the field, and Jamar Chase is that weapon, and you have Chase, mm-hmm. Higgins, Boyd. I mean, that's Chad, uh, TJ, and Chris Henry all over again. To me, that's where and I'm I like, get that, and I get right. that. But then you have right. to look at the line that they had back then. They had Rich Brown, they had Willie Anderson, they had Steinbeck. Those were elite linemen. It was an elite offensive line back there. And if you and didn't have and, those and, guys, and, and Carson Palmer still got hurt. Yeah, Carson Palmer got hurt, and that's fine. But yeah. Carson Palmer didn't get hit as many times as Joe Burrow did. Joe Burrow right. was being hit at an alarming and record-setting rate. It's not like, you know, I know some people just talk about the sacks, but think about the man being on pace to get hit 100 times. Yes, Carson right. Palmer got hurt off of a cheap hit. That that happens, right? Injuries yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to multiply the amount of hits that a guy can take and not expect him to get injured. That That's the issue for me there is – you want to reduce those hits. Yeah, there's a chance that he could get hurt slipping in the hallway at home and tearing his ACL, right? But what right, I don't want right, to subject right. them to is 100 hits a season. And so for me, that's just really where it comes from. And when I look at the offensive line, I think we have to judge this from the microscope of this is the Bengals drafting. This is not all 32 teams. This is not pro football focus that's going to be picking these guys. And when you look at their track record of guys that they've not only picked in the first round, but the second and third round, it's just hard for me to be confident in them picking the right guy. Now, if this were another right. team that was great at picking offensive linemen, sure, I'd be like, sign me up for Jamar Chase. But this is a team that selected Billy Price, Cedric Obwehi, Jake Fisher. I mean, there's countless guys that I can name that they've drafted in the past five or six years that just haven't worked out. And that's what scares me. That's the only part of it that scares me is if – it, the fact that they've had this recent history of who they've picked to be that. Now, like you said, if they hit on the guy in the first round, in the second mm-hmm. round, it's perfect. It's a home run. Right. I'm with you. Right. But if they don't, and I, I think everybody's saying, okay, Riley Reef is signed. That's a one-year deal. There's no, like, there's no guarantee past this year that he's going to be back. He's already 32. He's turning 33 a season. 34-year-old guy. We've already seen what they did with guys back in the day like Willie Anderson and uh, Whitworth and all of these guys, like once people get to a certain age, sometimes they move on. And so that's my issue there is, yes, you can you can depend on Riley Reef for now, but what do you do next year? Like, yeah, if you get a guard now, does that mean that he can play right tackle next year? Does that mean that you still have to get a right tackle next year? And then you're back in the same boat. Whereas if I take Panay Sewell, I've got Panay Sewell and I've got, um, I've got my other guy, Jonah, for the next mm-hmm. five to ten years, like if I if I hit on Panay Sewell, right? right, I can keep him for the next decade. Like Tyron Smith, Vosh said this when he was on the show. When the Cowboys picked him, they didn't have to worry about left tackle or whatever tackle position that was for like ten seasons. And that's the only thing that I'm looking for there. And then here's the other thing: yes, we can go three wide. I love that, right? But we're gonna have the same thing that happened in 2015. You can't pay all three guys. Somebody's gonna have to go. And you're talking about a receiver position where the top guy gets paid what 20 million 19 or 20 million a year what did Kenny Galladay just get we're gonna pay T Higgins uh Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd that's that's a tough ass they're probably only gonna keep two of them hopefully hopefully that happens after we win a Super Bowl it's kind of what I'm hoping (laughs) you know take our shot you You know so yeah I, I I agree with what you're saying and I understand but 
I just the thing, the thing with me, the other thing I I have against, and it's not even against Sewell. It's right. just there's if he is the generational talent that everybody says he is, then why are there so many quote unquote experts picking saying the Bengals should pick Slater over Sewell? You know, if he's that generational, nope, right. nobody is right. nobody's not, I won't say nobody, nobody that not a lot of people are saying that. Uh, almost everybody saying Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, th- not too many of them are saying Waddle, which I think Waddle is pretty. Some say Devonta myself. Smith. There are some that say Devonta yeah. Smith. But, mo- but most of them are saying Chase. And uh, I mean, mm-hmm. most of them are right. saying Sewell, but a lot of them are, are, are saying Slater, which I'm sort of like, okay, if this guy's so good. Right. Why, why, you know, if he's well, a generational guy, why, why is Slater getting so much love? You know, Slater is getting love because of his game against um, his game against Chase Young. Right. And so that's the only like when you talk to people that talk about Slater, that's mm-hmm. the only game they mention. They don't mention any of the other games. The right. difference to me is when you're in a media age and you do this every year, I've seen it. We saw it last year uh, right. when they had Andrew Thomas and then they started picking guys to put over Andrew Thomas. And then Andrew Thomas wasn't the consensus, the consensus number one tackle. And then he was uh, for me. It's just there's literally nothing that changed. And that's what what's crazy to me is there's literally nothing that changed from when they said Paneso was LT one and, you know, this generational tackle until now, both of the guys didn't play. They both opted out. They both mm-hmm. didn't play. Literally uh, nothing. All three of them, including Chase. So we got three guys who, who, who we're talking about here and, and didn't play. So, right. Literally nothing happened. So for me, well, I, I, I'll say with, with Chase, we did see Devonta Smith go out and win the Heisman. So, I mean, there's I could see people make an argument, but then he won the Belitnikov the year before. But when you look at the Sewell thing, to me, it's just about clicks because yeah. anyone that I've seen that they say like NFL sources, there's some NFL sources that say that Rashawn Slater is a guard and Panesu mm-hmm. is clearly a tackle. And when you talk about generational, generational to me is the attributes that he has that are rare. And when you talk about Panay, you're talking about a guy that's 330. Um, there's no one that has that size that combination of strength and speed and agility and athleticism that Panay brings. And that's what makes him generational. Like when you look at, when you look at Chase Young last year, right? His age, his speed, his athleticism, his size, his strength, that's what made him generational because it's not normal that you see a guy that's 330 and he moves that fast, that he can move Mm -hmm. as fast as Panay or anything like that. Now you probably point to, the guy that got picked by the Bucks last year, Tristan Wirfs, but you got to remember that he's 300 pounds. He's not 330 pounds, so there's a difference there. And so for right. me, that's why people kind of say that Panay is generational, and literally nothing changed. Like the guy that they were saying was the best non-quarterback prospect in this draft. All of a sudden, they're saying they're changing what they're they're saying. And for me, I don't go by like what the narratives say. I turn on the film and I watch. I'm not an expert right. evaluator. I'm not a scout. I just cut on the film because people say a lot of things. Men lie, women lie, but the tape doesn't lie for me. Right. So when I watch it, that's what I look at. And I'll tell you, Rashawn Slater's not bad, but Rashawn Slater is two, three years older than Panay Sewell. And so, like, if you're going to compare a guy that's 22 to a guy that's 20, it's hard for me to be like, like, that guy should be more polished because he's older. He went to a better school, Northwestern, in terms of linemen. He should be better. But Panay Sewell... He won the Outland Trophy over Slater. He's younger, and he's still got potential to get even better than he is now. So I think that's, right. for me, where I kind of separate it. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I, I, I'm not, I don't claim to be a draft expert or anything, and I, I do the same thing. I go by what I saw. And right. another reason that I'm so confident that we can get a good 
linemen in the second round is because I think there's a very good chance that Leatherwood is going to be there. And that dude played in the SEC, play, and he played, and this is the problem I have with Sewell. He played in the Pac 12. Mm-hmm. Leatherwood played against legit NFL talent almost every week. Mm-hmm. And he played really, really good at yeah. left tackle and at guard. So yeah. that's where when you talk about what will we do next year with Reef, if we get Leatherwood, you put him at guard and you can kick right. him out to tackle. And hopefully in the third or fourth round, we can get another guard who then can replace um, Leatherwood at guard if you kick him out right. to tackle. Or you could sign Reef again. So there is still a lot of options of what the Bengals could do if they – Choose to ch- to uh, draft. And I love Chase. Leatherwood. I love Leatherwood, but I don't. I think the same. He has the same uh, potential of being there in round two as a Terrace Marshall does. <laughs> I think like you're talking about for me a guy from Alabama, which we already know the pedigree that Alabama has when they come into the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's going to be there. Like I don't think he that might, he, he might not. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. Of, yeah, he's up in there. There's, a lot, there's some people having a second round. Right. I mean, basically, but you're right. You're right. I'm not trying to disagree yeah. with you. There's yeah. there's a ton of guys. You talk about Cosme. You talk about Dickerson. You talk about a lot of those other guys that are there. And for me, I, it's not that I disrespect those guys. It's just that I know that Panay Sewell is has. Let's say Panay Sewell has an 80 percent chance to be good. Those, mm-hmm. those guys might have a 70 or 60 percent chance, whereas I'm gambling. And, yeah, it could pay off. But if it doesn't work out, that's the only thing that scares me. Either way you go, it's called the draft. So you're gambling, <laughs> whatever. Like 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 right, uh, Duke right. Tobit said in his press conference yesterday, if I could predict how healthy these guys would be, it would make my job right. a lot easier. Right. So Anthony's got a question in here. So I guess uh, he said, what receiver would you want to take in the, in the second round? If you're taking Sewell in the first, what receiver would – or would you take – or right. would you even take a receiver in the second round? Because I think to Sam me – just said he'd double up and do right. offense line, offense line. Good. Not like if I so if I did take Panesul, I wouldn't have to double up immediately. Like I probably take another offensive lineman maybe in the third or fourth, possibly. Uh, but I think in the second round, like you'd have to look at receiver or maybe even edge because this edge class mm-hmm. is not really um, not super deep. strong and it's not deep. So if there's a guy like yeah. Carlos Basham there, and we're looking mm-hmm. at maybe like unless there's a Rashad Bateman there, then I'm probably right. going with Carlos Basham. Uh, if Basham isn't there, and there's like a couple of receivers looking at me, whether it's Kadarius Tony, whether it's uh, Bateman or, or somebody that's not supposed to be there that's there, then I'm looking at them. Because to me, I think when you talk about the three top receivers, I love them in this draft. People think because I'm saying Panay that I don't like Chase. I love this wide receiver draft at the top. You talk about Jalen Waddle is a guy that I love. Jamar yep. Chase is a guy that I love. Uh, Devonta Smith is a guy that I love. But I have to Honestly, agree I, with that. I'll shocked him. I'd be shocked if any of those guys are make it past the first round. I, I would, oh, yeah. That, no, no. That's just me. I don't I think any of them are going to be in a it, second it's round. It's tough, though, because you just never know, bro. Like, right, you honestly, right. yeah. like, let's say, for instance, people aren't confident in Devonta Smith. He is 166 pounds. What if someone's like, oh, I'm not touching that guy now? And he falls because of that. Like, or there's some kind of off the field stuff that we don't know about. So I'm, you never say never. It's probably a 98.9% chance that they're going in the first round, top 15. But you just right. never know because some people fall every year. You talk about Mike Thomas. You talk about Keenan Allen, who was a guy that fell all the way to the third round. I mean, you just uh-huh. never know. But for me, I'm looking at Bateman. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Kadarius Tony. There's a lot of guys that I could look at, at in the second round. Um, are they going to be Jamar Chase? Possibly not. But to me, this offense needs a guy that's going to take a top off of the defense. And for that, I think I would like to double dip in, in multiple rounds, me personally, at that receiver position 
And I feel like I'm confident in this team's ability to draft receivers, right? Like I tell the people on AFC North Talk all the time, they're like, oh, the Steelers are the best at drafting receivers. And I'm like, no, it's the Bengals. Like we, uh, yeah. we do that. We do receivers. You talk well, about Auden Tate. You talk about T. Higgins. You talk about the guys on this roster, Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. think about all of the guys that were supposed to go first round in Tyler Boyd's draft, and none of them were better than him except uh, the other guy that went in the second round, Michael Thomas. So, like, mm-hmm. for me, I trust them at the wide receiver position because I've seen them draft a Muhammad Sanu. I've seen them draft a Marvin Jones, and that's the per- the perspective that I kind of have with this is, yeah, if they don't get Chase, they could get a Nico Collins. They could get some of these guys in the later rounds of Jalen Darden and some of these guys out there that they could put in. And maybe it's a guy that takes the top off. Um, and maybe since you have those three good receivers, you add two more from this draft, I think that you're good. If Bateman's there, I'm running up with the pick, though. Like, I'm, I'm straight right. up running up there to do it. If Terrence Marshall falls, I'm the guy that would trade back into the first round, late first, to grab him, too, because right. Panay with Terrence Marshall would be crazy. But I'd also recommend they do the same thing with Chase. Like, if you get Chase and Leatherwood is falling, and you know that somebody's going to try to take Leatherwood, go get I, him. <laughs> Personally, yeah. I'd go back in there and get them because if right. you do yep. that, it's a slam mm-hmm. dunk. It's a right. slam dunk exactly. for me because I, the funny thing about Leatherwood, you talked about Leatherwood and Panay. They actually were one and two in their class coming in. Now, with Panay, right. the only reason that I give him the benefit of the doubt for playing in the Pac-12 was because he's a huge family guy. He's big on he's big on family. Right. He's from yeah. Utah. Mm-hmm. So he could have gone to play in the SEC. Don't get it twisted. He could play wherever he wanted to. It was just more so of a thing about – him being able to play in front of his family. Like I said, he's huge on family. If he were to go to the SEC, that's, you know, all the way across country. So then his family fights and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. that's what sometimes we forget about that. And I I thought about it because we had Khalid Kareem, who's on the Bengals now. And he had offers from Alabama and stuff like that. And he literally had an offer from every single Power 5 team, everybody. And I was like, bro, what made you choose, you know, Notre Dame over all of this? And it simply was because – it was closer. He had a big family. They all wanted to go and watch him play games. And so it just made more sense for him to go there. And then it also was the education. He liked the Notre Dame education oh. as well. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you got to think about it, man. We 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 all want our family members to be a part and, and be able to see us instead of just watching us on TV. And so I think with Panay, that was that was part of it. But Leatherwood was actually ranked ahead of Panay if you're going back to high school. Right, that's that's why that's what gets me hyped up. If, there, if there's a chance we can get those two with our first two picks, if we have to trade back up, and get Leatherwood, dude, we won the draft. Right, there, right there. I'm, I mean, yeah, now there. one thing I, I'll tell you, you said the Bengals are really good at drafting wide receivers. Another thing they're really good at is finding defensive linemen, three three tech guys later in the round. Right. Like, the, hopefully, you know, well, I hope we'll come back. Don't know if that's going to happen, but. That's where we got him. We got Carlos Dunlap. I mean, the list goes on and on. The guys that they've gotten in lower rounds, so they're very good at that too. That's where I'm kind of hoping that maybe they can find a diamond in the rough later, later on. Because me personally, I, I want an edge, but right. we got uh, to me. We got to get the wide receiver and we got to get the offensive line, and then it's got to be edge. And then I don't know. I, and I kind of thought they might be looking at running back, but if you listen to Duke yesterday, mm-hmm. it didn't sound like they were they were too interested in any. Uh, a running back. They really liked what uh Smart J. Piron uh did for them last year. Oh yeah, which definitely. which I, I think he did good. Which I mean, I guess this is why the frustrating part with, with Gio, they never used him right. So I guess they're gonna Piron and how they want to use him because they never they never could use Gio right. That just drove me nuts. But yeah. that was just kind of interesting thing that that Duke said yesterday because I thought they might be looking for somebody. 
but they also like um and I, I Jeremy always says the guy's name the third our third string running back uh Trevia yeah Trevia thank you he might be a guy that they could use in in Geo spot too for the bubble screens and the uh, drop down passes and all that stuff so there's and a don't lot forget of about my guy um Jacquez Patrick too uh, oh yeah mine, all the way back from uh from Tallahassee he's more of a bigger back he's he's kind of out of that Joe Mixon build in terms of the bigger guy. Uh, but he's more than capable, man. I mean, he was he was tearing it up for uh, for that team until he got there. And one thing people don't know about him was he was a five-star uh, recruit coming out of high school. He was a big, big guy. Um, so he ended up being there after the Jimbo Fisher years, uh, but was a top recruit. And so he's got a lot to offer potentially as well. And, uh, you know, talking to Jeff Hobson, he was saying that they were uh, excited about what he can bring to the table too. But Travion, like you said, we saw some stuff from him last season. Samaj Piron played admirably. I mean, I didn't expect them to go after a running back because, like you said yourself, it was hard for them to play to use Geo and Mixon right, at, you know, correctly. Right. And then I think someone brought it up on a on a podcast I listened to. It's kind of hard to justify giving Joe Mixon twenty five carries and reducing Geo's role to like five right. carries and justifying how much you're paying him. So right. No, I, I totally like, understand that aspect of it too. Yeah, they were like top third percentage in NFL uh, NFL teams of all of the percentage of two running back. That's why I kind of put it out there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him just because they have so much money going to that that position. Yeah, think, that's more than most NFL teams it. have. Yeah, we talked about it the last time I was here. Yeah, it was like right did, before, right, and I was did. like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it doesn't really make make much sense. But yeah, yeah, man, I think. So for me, like just separating, because I know we always talk about wide receiver offensive line, definitely our knees, and you talked about edge as well. Um, they, I think they got to fix the defensive interior. Uh, maybe they get a guy like a Milton Williams or something like that. I don't think you need a safety at all in this draft. But the thing that no. people are sleeping on is kicker. Like, I, we need a kicker. I, 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 dude, I, I've been talking kicker. about that. Like, we got to find a kicker because Sherbert hurt Austin where the hell Cyber is. is not good. He no. is like, I sit on the AFC North talk. Austin Seibert uh -oh. is not good. I'm talking about well, missed extra points and all kind of stuff, man. That, that's where I was like, I think, I mean, I, I would, Fat Randy would drive you nuts. Had a mm -hmm. hell of a leg. And if he could ever get to the point where I'm not watching Detroit and then make all kinds of pressure kicks. That was the biggest problem. He couldn't make the pressure kicks. Seibert can't right. make the regular kicks. So that's why I was kind of like, I, I was more, I don't know if I rid of Fat Randy. I, I still want to bring somebody in to give them competition, but now they got to get somebody. So I, I really totally yeah. think they're going to draft somebody. People laugh at me for that, but I'm like, I seriously think they're going to draft one in the, in the, you know, late, late, late rounds. Yeah. I'd love to pick one. Like if you, if you gave me a choice of late round running back or, or even receiver or kicker, I might take the kicker, bro. I might take yeah, the kicker, bro. like six round right. kicker. Like I, yeah. we might have to just go ahead and do that because, well, um, man, yeah, Cybert is worse than Fat Randy. Yes, B. Yeah, yes, for, for real. Well, the thing is, if we had a kicker last year, we would have at least won the first game. Yep, <laughs> you know, exactly. or, or and another one we would have sent in overtime, but we didn't right. have a kicker. And like, like I keep going back and. and I really do think that first game against the, the Los Angeles, I said it right this time, the Los Angeles Chargers changed the whole season. Because if they don't call that pay, that PA against AJ, which I still don't think it was, it that's AJ Green. You you give him that call. You can't, you, Joe yeah, freaking Burrow. Yeah, Joe Freaking goes leads his team down the field for a winning score. Or if Fat Randy kicks a field goal to tie it up and then we win in overtime, I really think that changes the whole season. I really oh, did. I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong, but 
I mean, the ref just blew like a start to one of the most historic careers I think we'll see. Joe Burrow, yeah. man, that was yeah. that was his moment right there. I and, know. You know that that game, it was it was tough on the rewatch. I'm not gonna lie, because one thing I've been doing is going back and, and rewatching it. But the way that he just rallied in that that second half, man, and the way that they were coming back, like they should have been up in that game by a lot. Uh, yeah. But but to see the refs take them out of the game and just to watch that and it, well, it was painful. The thing is, that's AJ Green, dude. How do how does AJ Green not get that call? That's what I, I don't know. get. I mean, I mean, did he did he push off? Yeah, but they do it a lot. And guys like AJ Green should get that call. That's where right. I it wasn't always- like. It wasn't like egregious, like he just threw oh, the guy off him or anything. Right. It was just like a little tap. Yeah, he just give him a little nudge. It was all right, just a little nudge, a little tappy tap. He didn't slam him to the ground or nothing. Just a little tappy tap tap. Oh, flag! Seriously, <laughs> oh, but I mean that. That, but seriously, that could totally change uh, that season for for the Bengals. Yeah. I really do. And the sure. other thing is, if and Joe said this in his podcast with uh, Chris Collinsworth that they were really starting to click. That mm-hmm. Washington game, we were if right. you hurt, we were in that Washington game, and the offense mm-hmm. start start to pick up. No, I agree. I think we were on fire, man. Like Joey B just started like that Titans game. From then on, it was just the man was on fire, and uh-huh. you know he was on a mission, and it was going to really get exciting to see what we could really do because, like you said, the offensive line was starting to straighten out. Uh, you know, the receivers, him and T. Higgins, because, like, I even went back and I was like, man, T. Higgins didn't even play in the first game. He didn't right. even play in the first right. game. Right. Like, he didn't get his first good the until, right. until, like, the end of the second game. And so I go back and I'm looking at it and I'm like, like he said, man, they were really catching on at that point, you know, and they were doing some of that stuff even without Joe Mixon. So just imagine what they can do next season. I mean, even, like, and this is what I'll say. Like, people are like, oh, if, if they don't take Panay, are you disappointed? No, because I'm a student of the draft, right? Yeah, I know yeah. that I know how good Chase is. I know how good Pitts is. I know how good Sewell is. You can't be mad at that. Like, disappointing to me you, was you, when they drafted Cedric wrong. Obwehi. When they drafted yeah, Cedric yeah. Obwehi, oh, um, and, and I hate to rank yeah, on yeah, him as I gotta, well. I, I got I to I put myself on front street for now because, honestly, where the Bengals were at, I'm like, at the time, I'm like, you know, he was really good tackle college. Like, ah, well, maybe that's not that bad of a draft. Like, I don't know. I was completely wrong on that. That was a horrible draft. That was terrible. <laughs> I, I thought, like, you know, I thought we, we went to five straight playoffs. You know, hey, the big, we got talent. You know, we can we could actually take a chance on this. Didn't realize the next year we we're going to let Whitworth and Zeitler and Sanu and oh, yeah. Marvin. You know, I thought we were going to at least sign two of the four. Not, I knew we weren't going to sign all four of them. But then right. that's the thing that just always I brought this up, which I called oh boy he the swinging gate, because mm-hmm. anytime he was in the game, it was just like whoop, there you go, there's quarterback, and I'm like, right. again, I am no expert, but I've watched a lot of football in my life, and right. for them to think that guy can replace Whitworth, you gotta get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was, like it was that was wild. That was Cedric Obehi. I was definitely wrong on some though. I wasn't the biggest fan of, and I, I went back and watched it today because it was five years ago. And uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of C.J. Uzoma, and I was wrong on that. And uh, I think some guys were high on Paul Dawson. I think even Mario Alford um, in that one. But that's just how the draft is, man. You wait until three or four years later to to really see how the picks um, mm-hmm. land. But, you know, I'm a fan of Chase. Like, don't get it twisted. It's it's not that. It's, it's more so of me not trusting the Bengals front office to make the right decision in the second round. 
Um, yeah. So, like, if we do get chased, I'm not going to be upset at all. Like, I'll be live streaming. You guys can see. Like, I'm, I literally was just praising Chase. I put him in a Madden New Stripes video that I made months ago. So, I actually was uh, excited to hear that um, they compared him to OBJ because when I watched him, if you watch my cut the yeah. tape on, on him, I compared him to OBJ. I was like, he's a – He's uh, at the time, because we still thought he was slow because of the thing, I was like, he's a less athletic OBJ, but clearly he has the athleticism. And that was just a really good comp for me. Uh, when I look at Chase and you talk about what he did at LSU, he's he's a electric receiver. And I think he's definitely um, going to bring something to this team. I just hope that we protect number nine and give number nine the ability um, to be able to, to just take over this division because I think he can do it. I, I truly like mm -hmm. watching. I see how far – I saw how far we were last year, and I'm like, this is the guy that's going to bring us um, over the top for this division, and that's one of the reasons I'm wearing this this uh, shirt right here, man, because that was that was a great year, but I just want to be the kings of North again, and I think Joey yeah. B is definitely going to bring us there. Yeah, and and the thing, we'll just we'll just put it to you this way: if they if they fix it, if they fix the offense line and they get deep threats, I'm going to say. All the holes, the majority of the holes. But if they can keep Joe upright and we can get the ball downfield and we can run it, dude, we I think personally, we got a shot to make the playoffs. I really I know nice. people think that's that's crazy, but I'm not saying we're going to. That's mm -hmm. you know, don't get it twisted, but we got a shot at it. And that's right. all you ask. That I mean, as a as a, a fan, that's all you ever want. I want a shot. I want to win. Like Duke Tobin said, press conference, nothing that I loved that he said yesterday. He goes, I want to win. Yeah, goes, I, I want to go out there. I don't want to win every single that. game. Thanks. I'm like, how many times have we heard a Bengal front office guy or a coach or anybody ever say, I want to win? And like, it's a simple statement. I mean, of course you do, but it's nice to hear that because sometimes Bengal fans have thought in the past, like, ah, oh, Mike Brown doesn't really care about winning. And, you know, he's cheap and all that stuff. Duke Tobin threw it out there. I want to win. Joe yeah, Burrow they want to win. I, th I think they definitely want to win. I think um, I think just the way that they tried to go about it was just because I'm a business manager. That's that's one of the things that I went to school for, MBA. Like, there's nothing wrong with what they tried to do because they were trying to get the most bang for their buck, right? So right. you talk about, like, Pat Sims and stuff like that. Like, even when you talk about, um, just to bring it even, even closer, when you talk about uh, the guard, Quentin Spann, that they brought back, right? Think about how much bang you're getting for that buck. You're paying right. an NFL, you know, league minimum, and you're getting mm -hmm. this this great deal for him. And then even when you talk about some of the guys they used to get back then, like Pac-Man, like think about the discounts that they got these guys for. And it almost happened with Michael Vick. A lot of people forget that. Tony Dungy, I don't know why, told him <laughs> not to come to the Bengals, but they were going to have Michael Vick for like a million dollars. So, like, for me – a lot of people don't understand that, but I get it from a business standpoint because you want to get the most bang for your buck. You want to try to keep those guys here. And, um, you know, they've changed that. And I mean, they've always paid people. They paid Carson right. Palmer a hundred million dollars. They paid right. Osho Cinco. Like they've always paid people. So it's kind of, they would always own people. Now but that's cool about what they're doing now is they're, they're actually really jumping in with two feet in the free agency and paying other teams players oh, yeah. to get the company. That's the part that I really like about it. It's uh just want to let you know, it's about six oh five. You said but you give you about 30, 40 minutes. You good for a little bit or you gotta roll? Cause I know you got a, you got a uh, show to do. So got about you gotta go, you gotta go, bro. Get you. I got I got you for five more. Five. All right. Let me let me throw this this uh question up here real quick for Crown. He said, Ace, what do you think about uh Marvin Wilson? Marvin Wilson, I actually I have I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. I have not watched Marvin Wilson yet. I will check him out after this show. Um, if I'm not mistaken, 
he might. I think he might be a defensive tackle, possibly. You got me, dude. I don't. I don't yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> yeah, honest. I'm not gonna say that, you guys. I'm not gonna lie to you. I do not know who Marvin Wilson is. I will be sure, Crown Apple Kid, to check him out after this, and um, I'll shoot a tweet out to to give you my thoughts on that. Sorry about that, bro. They, yeah, like like I said, I I don't claim to be a draft expert. I claim to give my own opinions what I want the Bengals to do, and that's that's it. <laughs> take it, right. take yeah. it how it is. You don't mean. That oh well, strawberry said you should do this. Like, dude, what I said don't mean nothing. Yeah, it's just a fun, fun talk show that we have on here. But yes. uh, yeah, so you, I'm gonna, I, I want to give you a, a chance to tell everybody by tonight because you helped me out and jumped on the show. With me so, who you got on? What time is it? And where they, where can they find it at? Oh yeah, man, we're gonna be interviewing Sacramento Kings uh, player Kyle Guy. He's a huge Bengals fan. Um, it's gonna be on uh, my YouTube channel, New Stripe City tonight, um, as well as Zim's uh, YouTube channel as well, uh, Zim Hude. Actually, I don't know if we're going live or not. I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna be live. Um, but okay. if it's not live, um, you guys might be able to catch it tomorrow. So it'll be out tomorrow morning at ten. Uh, it'll be on CincyJungle.com as well as the Cincy Jungle podcast as well um, tomorrow evening. So be sure to check that out. We'll, we might go live. I don't know. We well, might see, go live. That's why I was telling everybody. That's why you got to subscribe to our YouTube channels and you hit the right. bell for the notification. So when we do go live, you're notified. You don't have to worry about it. It's like, oh, they're on. Right. So, that's so one I thing I got to ask you, though, about Strawberry is up, how bro? was it? Um, what was it like on launch day, bro? Because it, it looked amazing. Um, just from the, dude, from the, the view of my iPhone, it looked like it was a good time, bro. Dude, I had a blast. I, I mean, I was the line wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be, but I, dude, I, I had so much fun and just to stand in line and, and then Zim, I like, man, I saw him, he told me he was coming, but right. didn't say he was going to get a backstage pass. So I saw him <laughs> and I gave him, you know. Gave him a hug. He's like, what's up, man? I thought he was in the line behind me. So I kept, I got a jersey. I'm kind of like, where is he? And I'm like, I can't find him at all. So I wa- walked around the stadium, you know, did some uh, pictures and the, did a video for, for the uh, for the launch and everything. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I look on Twitter. I'm going home. I'm going home. And he's on there on Twitter live with Mike Daniels in the freaking pro shop. I'm like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> I should have came back. But, dude, it right. was a blast. I think the Bengals did a great job. I love – the new uh, jerseys I was wearing oh, yesterday, them, I think oh, they're goodness. sweet. I mean, my, Mrs. Ice, Ice, she thinks it uh, looks like a practice jersey. I said, but that's <laughs> – I said, not, it, it's supposed to be – but there's not enough stuff on it. I was like, that's the point. That's the it's point. It's nice simplistic. and clean. Right. It's supposed right. to be the opposite of this. You know, right. we want it a little more <laughs> simple and, and kind of back to and, – and the thing is, they really want to get back to the 80s. When right. we went to two Super Bowls, and that we wanted to look more like that did, and the stripes look like that, because that right. was our best decade. So that's right. that was more what they're trying to go for. And I love the Paul Brown stitching on the inside. I just wish it was more right. on the outside. Ooh, that's the that's one of the best parts. Yeah, I I wish it was on it so everybody could see it. Because I mean, like I like I said on one of my tweets, I put out if it wasn't for Paul Brown, none of us would be Bengals Bengals fans. We wouldn't even have a football team. So. That's what we always got to pay respect. Right. That's what we always got to pay respect to the man who brought us our our team. But I think the Bengals did a great job. Uh, Hoosh was on there live with uh, uh, Marissa Capitelli. Capitelli. Capitelli, thank you. That was cool seeing Hoosh on there and then Chad smoking a cigar, getting the video out. But it was cool. I I thought they did a great job. Yeah, Yeah. man. I I can't wait to get back up there for a game because – 
I think I went the first the first game of Zach Taylor's uh his the first home opener in Zach Taylor's career. And man, the vibe in the city was was just good. I'm from Cincinnati, man. So it's all it it was it was almost like a a, a circle point in life for me because you know I grew up there, uh was in Avondale, uh moved out to California, came back, moved from Avondale, went out to Wyoming. And I was just always a diehard Bengals fan, man. I mean, the first game that I went to was when Corey Dillon broke the the uh, the rushing record that game. Uh, oh, you that game? Yards or something like that. I was at that game, bro. I, was, I little did I know until Jeff Hobson said it that that was the first win in Paul Brown Stadium. I never knew that. Yeah. Um, so people forget that. Yeah, I couldn't afford tickets and stuff like that. So back then, I had a teacher that taught out at Wyoming, and she would give me tickets to the games that you know her family couldn't go to and so just happened to be that game I think another one was the Seahawks one but it was it was so dope because when I was in Florida anytime they're down here I try to see them whether it's preseason Mm -hmm. game I don't care I'm going to go and see them because they really come down here and so it was like a full circle moment for me because I moved to Orlando and the, the flights from Orlando to Cincinnati are much cheaper than they were from the smaller airport so this is right. a full sober moment, man, to be able to go back and go to a game. And even though the 49ers kicked our teeth in in that game, it just it yeah. just felt good being back in the city and catching the vibes, especially before the game. And I can't wait to do that again uh, this season, hopefully. So looking yeah. forward to it. Well, well, definitely when you you do that, hit me up because I, I got I'm a season ticket holder, so we can definitely go tailgate. Yes, we can hang out with, with the the king of the tailgates, uh, Bengal Jim. Go hang out with him, have have some beer, and go in and watch the Bengals win. Hopefully, yes, sir. but I, I'm excited. I, I, there's so much good stuff going on with the Bengals, with the draft, the new stripes, everything, the vibe that's going on in the city. It's awesome. And I, I just, if they kill it, this draft, which I, I, you know, everyone wants them to kill it, but if they kill it, cause they have killed drafts before that's yeah. when we're going to five straight playoffs. So they do that again. Dude, we, I, we, we, we got a shot. They're going to go to the playoffs and you never know. Once you get in, baby, you never know. You never know. All right, brother. You never know. All right, brother. Who day? Appreciate appreciate you. Who day? Take it easy. Watch the show tonight at eight o'clock if he's live. <laughs> Late. All right, guys. That was cool. I appreciate Zim jumping on with me, and that was fun. But I get to the uh, Reds game. We can talk about that for a little bit. Of the just oh my goodness. I look. This is why I said when they were five and one. To enjoy it, because it doesn't happen very often. Because I knew there's going to be times like this where we honestly should have swept the Arizona Diamondbacks. There is no reason we should have not swept them. Our bullpen has got awful right now, and I don't know what what David Bell should do about it. I'm not trying to defend the guy, but he doesn't know what he's getting when he opens up that that door. We scored 11 runs and we still lost. I'm like, dude, it's just, it's so good. And if you ever listen to me at the beginning of the year, I really wasn't worried about the bullpen, but I'm sure as hell worried about them right now. Cause you can't, I, I can't, I don't know how many times the pitcher came in and the first pitch ball, second pitch ball, we walked a run in. I mean, it was so frustrating watching that, but then it's so exciting Watching Castellanos jack one out, and then, and then Gino jack one out, and 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 the wink hit two of them out. So it was fun, but it was also frustrating because we came back, tied it up, and it's like right off the bat, walk, walk, bang, hit. They take the lead. It's like, 
dude, we didn't even get a chance to enjoy it. So it's it's very frustrating with with the Reds right now with the bullpen. And I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how they fix it because it's not just one guy. I know everybody's blaming Armin Garrett. And trust me, he is as a biggest person to blame about this as anybody. But he's not the only one. Right now, they all suck out there in the bullpen. I don't know who you can go to. You score 11 runs and you still lose? Something's up, man. And they, they got to figure out figure it out quick because – I, I, are we even in first place? I doubt we're in first place anymore. I haven't got a chance to look at it, to be honest. But we were in first place, and we were up by a half a game at the beginning of this week. Let's understand. We're in second now. Yeah, we're nine and nine. We're still we're at five hundred. So, I mean, Milwaukee's eleven and seven right now. Pittsburgh is right behind us at at, at nine and ten. So I mean, it's they got to figure this out, and I don't know if it's. It's not like you can hurry up and trade your entire bullpen for another one. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Let's see here. What's some of the shout out? Yes, yes, shout out. Yes, in the blood. Indy's first home run. That was awesome. He took his hat off or helmet off. His hair was flowing. I, I could see the dugout giving the you know the the cold short. Then they're like, ah, you know, that was. I mean, that was awesome. There's so many good things that happened today, and then it's just the bullpen. Uh, I cannot believe it. Yeah, Anton gave up one, but Anton's the one I can't. You can't get too mad at him. He's one that has pitched good. Everything M- Mally did last night was for nothing. Yeah, I mean Mally pitched great. Our start. I mean, even Hoffman today, he he kept us in the game. We we're we we're down to one. I think when he left, I think that's right. But either way, he he kept us in the game, and then the bullpen door opens up and. Like I said, we don't know what's going to happen. So and I know some people get on AG about talking and talking and talking. I'm like, dude, I don't think I don't think talking has is messing him up. It's his slider. It's not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, his slider is hanging in the middle of the plate. You hang a slider in the middle of the plate against major uh, baseball players, they're going to hit it out. So it's worse. It's not. It's not over by any means at all. At all. I mean, this can be fixed, and it's. It's baseball. It's up and down, ebbs and flows. And, you know, we just need our – we need one person to come out of the bullpen and shut it down. It becomes contagious because guys can't pitch. I mean, I'm not worried about it that the bullpen's going to be like this all year. They can pitch. We just got to figure it out and figure it out quick. Let's see. You're in the blood. What's up? Uh, still at 500. Yeah. Like I said, still 500. We're in second place. By new, no means are we out of it. I mean, like I said, I was telling my son this when we walked out. 11 runs. Where was this offense last year? <laughs> that's the one thing. I'm like, they don't stop. That's that's the big, the most thing about what the Reds do this year compared to what they did last year. Last year, we'd score three runs, and then we wouldn't score again. We score, and we score, and we score, and we score, and we score. And, you know, and hell, they were still trying to score. You know, I think they had – Bases loaded, or I've been on second and third at the end of the game. They were still coming out. They weren't quitting. So there is no quitting on this team. They they're going to, they're going to be in every single game. Let's see, Anthony. There were at least six home runs today, and we still lost. Yeah, I, I mean it happens. Well, that's what happens when you walk a run in, and you your bullpen comes in, and you start almost every single batter off with a ball. <laughs> 
and then ball two. <laughs> you know, I, 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 just, I, um, um, David Bell, one move he did, which I mean, it does in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't amount up to a hill of beans are still lost. But Lucas Sims start the extra innings. They always they start the guy at second base, which is the stupidest freaking thing. Uh, Rob Manford, I think he's done it. I think he's a clown. It's a commissioner of baseball. Understood what we did last year. In 60 games, you didn't want to burn everybody. I got it. I have no clue why you're doing it this year, but that's the dumbest freaking thing they've done. Anyway, so Sims uh, gives up a run, and they, they they take the lead. He buckles down. They they they, they get, get out of that, get, get the extra rings. He comes in. He's struggling. He finally gets his control, gets the guy out, strikes him out, looks good, and then David Bell comes out. And I'm talking to my son. I'm like, why is he in such a hurry? To go to that bullpen, because Lucas Sims has actually been one of the most consistent pitchers we've had. So he were, heard, went and got Sims out and got Perez in there, and Perez proceeded to give up a three-run homer. I'm like, that's the only thing I got for David Bell. He's too in a hurry to make a change. I'm like, but then the other night you had Garrett out there, and you left him out there to give up the lead. I just, I don't know. Uh, David Bell uh, rubs me the wrong way. I still call him the mad scientist, I think. And he's double switching, double switching, dude. Just find a pitcher and get people out of the bullpen. That would help. <laughs> uh, yes, Nick Castellanos is a beast. You are right. That's my boy. He came back with vengeance today. Which, if you guys checked out my TikTok, I said that earlier today on TikTok, and I put it on Facebook and I tweeted it out. And the blood says, "True, I'm glad he's back." It was just point. The suspension was stupid. It was annoying. It was stupid and dumb, and there was no reason for it. Again, the clown, Rob Manford, has no idea what he's doing, and the sooner baseball gets rid of him, the better. Because I'm telling you, the Baseball Players Association and the owners are not seeing eye to eye at all. Manford doesn't have a clue what he's doing. So what baseball we had this year, you might want to enjoy because there might not be baseball for a while next year. I'm just throwing that out there. We will see. All right, Grip, what's up? The Cassiano suspension was like getting a ticket for playing air guitar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, I, I said I put that picture out there earlier where Molina's the one that grabbed him, and Molina's the one that actually bumped the umpire. But anyway, I'm moving on from that. It's over, you know. The bigger thing here now is we got to figure out the bullpen. They have got to find somebody who can, I'm not even saying close games out, who they can at least count on for the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. Because right now, can you guys name anybody that you'd be like, all right, good, he's coming out of the bullpen. All right, I, I think we'll be okay. I'm like, do I, me and my son were talking about before the game started. Doolittle and Sims were the only ones I'm like, I feel semi-confident with them. Doolittle walked running. Sims gave up the lead and tied, tied the, 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 the game again. That's where I'm like, there, right now there isn't anybody. Like I said, it's a long season. Hopefully they'll figure it out. And we'll get back on the winning track. They, they play tomorrow. See, I, I, just, I was at the Reds game, so I didn't have a whole lot planned. I'm glad Ace jumped on the show. Let's see here. Tomorrow, oh, yeah. Yep. Big series. St. Louis, the Tweety Birds. And they're at St. Louis. 8-15 tomorrow night. So you know. The Tweety Birds are want to get get back at us for the opening day series. 
show reds. Get your rest. Openers, ice your arms up. Get your mind mentally clear because we are going to need you guys. We have a team that can go to playoffs. Bullpen has got to step up. You guys have got to figure this out. You can do it. You've all done it before. Throw strike one, then strike two, then strike three. Get three in a row and go sit down on the bench. <laughs> so we had three outs. It's going to be huge this weekend. I'm going to be very excited to watch the Reds versus the Tweety Birds. Now, I want to bring the, that brings me to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I appreciate every single one of you guys. I know there's other groups that let me live stream. I appreciate all. There's other ones that get this show gets tweeted or that tweet up, shared all over the place. I appreciate whoever shares it. That is awesome. I appreciate you guys. But the original ones, Hootay Nation. Since that Reds running third, heading for home. The Ohio State Bucknuts, Bearcat Country, Ice Cave. And oh yeah, you can follow my see. I'm doing this all. I said I don't have it written down. No, I have it written down. This is all by memory. Follow me on all my social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, I have 1,023 likes. Followers, I have 1,110 followers on Facebook. That is awesome. Twitter. I only have 397. Try to bump that up a little bit. I like to I like to watch Twitter followers. So I like catch up to Ace and Zim. I mean, they're way beyond me. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok. Do me a favor. If you've missed any of the show and you don't have time to sit down and watch an hour podcast, you can listen to it. Check it out tomorrow or tonight on pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. It's on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Bean Pod. Is that promotory? Ever get your podcast? It's starting to blow up. I think people are starting to find the, the podcast along with the YouTube channel, which is awesome. I appreciate that. YouTubers, they say we're over a thousand, a thousand twenty, I think. Let's keep it rolling. Try to get to two thousand. And other than that, tomorrow's Friday. Jeremy, not known as Dimebag Dean, should be joining me. I think we're on Zika Week. It's just going to be a fun Friday show. I'm going to go chill out, relax, let this Reds loss just wash away from me because they're going to win tomorrow. Get on the go be Queenie Birds. And everybody, all together, as Jeremy D would say, remember one thing and one thing only. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? Let's go Reds. And that's just sports, baby. See ya! Oh, <laughs>